It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hi, I'm Sylvia Moss. We all have an incredible amount of respect and admiration for my guest today. Not because, well, not just because what he does for a living, because he is also involved in a lot of wonderful organizations here in central Pennsylvania. And there are a lot of things, folks, he does that we don't even know he's doing to help the community. And that's just the kind of guy he is. I'm talking about Graham Hetrick. He is our county uh, coroner in Dauphin County. He's been doing that for about 25 years and he's got one more thing that he's added to that list of things he seems to be never-ending. He is on a new television program called The Coroner, I Speak for the Dead. And it comes on Monday nights at 10 o'clock on the Investigation Discovery cha- uh, Channel. And you know what? I could wish it was on every day. I've seen it. It's been on for two weeks now. I think it's supposed to be an eight-week thing and then... We'll see if they renew it. They're going to renew it. This thing is real good. I, I wish you'd, I wish you're, and you know what? You're so good. You're smooth. <laughs> <laughs> I said to uh, someone earlier, you I said. You have to speak to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> no, it seems like the way you're so well-spoken and articulate, it's almost like you had acting lessons in your past. Uh, no. No? no. <laughs> okay. Um, I, it's just your natural charm, huh? I love literature. I love to write, actually, mm-hmm. more than I love being in front of that. Well, this program, tell us how it all started. Two, two shows in so far. What happened? How long ago did it start? Actually, I've done, I've done a, a lot of episodes with different channels. Okay, I didn't realize that. But, um, and I've done a pilot for another um, uh, channel, and uh, it, it didn't work out for multiple reasons. But... Um, the production company that did that pilot uh, presented this to Investigation Discovery, mm-hmm. and they really liked the concept. There are a lot of uh, homicide-type shows out there. Most of them are police-related, but not a lot of them other than they say, well, the coroner came, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's about it. But what does a coroner do, and um, how are the forensics uh Forensic science is used in medical legal death investigation. And if you let me interrupt for a second, that's something I want to talk about because a lot of people out there thinks that think that the coroner, the, uh, the county coroner, goes out and says, "Yep, he's dead," and that's it. There is so much more involved in it, isn't there? It is actually uh, we're bound by law to collect all the evidence on or about the body. Mm-hmm. Weirdly enough, we live in Pennsylvania, which is. Uh, very closely related to British law because it was a land-grant state. It's a commonwealth. And the word coroner comes from the word crowner because the king of England would send somebody out to uh, investigate deaths, mainly of property holders, and then see who should get the property or he would get it back. So, Is that right? Yeah. I didn't know that. Crowner. Yeah. That's amazing. Now, you had mentioned about forensic, how important forensics uh, the science is to what you do. Can you explain to people if they don't understand what that is, exactly what it is? It's really important to actually uh, explain it to a lot of young people that are very interested in the field of forensics. 
and that is forensics. Forensic, the term means science applied to law. So it does have to do with all kinds of sciences. Mine is uh, mostly biological sciences as well as investigative sciences Mm -hmm. and deductive and inductive thinking and that type of thing. Um, But nevertheless, it's scientific thinking. You're, You're looking at hypotheses or theories and then breaking them down and see if they stand given the data that you have. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like a doctors eliminate different things until it narrows down one particular, mm-hmm. which it is a medical background. You have to have that, right? Yes. There's there's a, uh, there's a background in uh, medical legal death investigation, which, of course, you have to understand investigative procedure, and you have to understand what is needed at a scene. I, I myself am not a physician, but I work with one of what I consider one of the uh, country's best uh, forensic board-certified forensic pathologist, Dr. Wayne Ross. He's, he's brilliant. And there are many other people that I work with. Uh, Dr. Fury from uh, uh, Harrisburg University for entomology. He's mm-hmm. my, my bug man. And <laughs> so we have these different individuals that I work with. So I often equate what I do as sort of being like a director. I have my own specialties, blood pattern analysis, right. forensic documentation, forensic photography, uh, um, uh, autopsy procedures, that type of thing. But um, what you do is you put it all together. So in my little orchestra, over here might be the pathologist and the medical records. Over there might be the botanist and the forensic uh, anthropologist. And over here would be the police and their skills in um, interrogation and, and research. When you put it all together and we play it out, the music is that the dead can speak to us if mm-hmm. we find the patterns. And that's something you mentioned about, too, on the program last evening and uh, or the other evening. And when we were talking earlier, something I wanted to ask you, you can be a mortician, but that doesn't mean you have to take forensics. It's uh, you, What you do is you are a mortician who has extra education in forensics, any other type of field, right? Yeah, I, I, had, I had training both in 385th Military Police and 52nd CID. I worked crime scene investigation. Mm-hmm. And then also uh, I additional schooling both in, uh, in uh, the BS level and then in graduate level in both psychology, the sciences, inferential statistics, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Now, with the eight cases that we're, we're going to be viewing, or we've already viewed two of them, Which? how did you know which ones to select? It was a discussion. Um, uh, in investigative discovery, mm-hmm. is uh, pro- it is the leading investigation-type uh, program on, on cable, on mm-hmm. TV. And so they know what a good storyline is. And also, I wanted to reveal with each new episode lessons. Because if the dead are going to speak, we want to listen and learn some lessons. Uh, in the last one with, with poor Darlene Ewald. Oh, yeah, that was it, bad. It just showed that you can be anywhere in danger or death can strike mm-hmm. and so uh once once we think about that mortality thing it, it makes us really uh more appreciative in the life that we have mm-hmm. and and you know that if we would get up each day and say there may never be tomorrow so i'm going to make the day a good day 
we we lived definitely different lives. I bet. Let me ask you this. Um, it seems like if there's a, a husband or a wife involved in a murder or a living boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, they always assume, I don't want to say assume, they kick out that the partner first. Is that because a lot of these crimes are crimes of passion? It is because of one of the types of critical thinking, which is inductive reasoning. So when you look at the profiles of crime and you put it in a bell curve, yeah, uh, where you statistically, most people are killed by somebody they know. Is I didn't know that. Yeah, statistically. It's just like most serial killers are white males. The, so this is data. It doesn't give you answers, but it does tell you that there's a higher probability of one thing over another. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why family would be questioned first, and that was the case with the Darlene Ewald case, too. But it turns out that's not who it was. And, you know, it's funny because when you're watching this program, you're trying to think like you're thinking. You're eliminating things. You think, oh, I know this. I watch CSI. It's not. <laughs> it's not. I was surprised last night to find out who the murderer was. And I think a lot of people will be, too. I think there was uh, a lot of uh, suspicion that uh, after they had started the initial interviews and everything, that there was something going on that they did not have all the data Mm -hmm. for. I think the one thing that Darlene kept on telling us was in the wounds on her body. Yeah. Tell our listeners about that. Because I keep on saying last night, last night, this show airs on Monday nights, but I always tape it because I want to make sure I keep it. <laughs> you know, and I just had a chance to look at it last night. But explain that. The lady was stabbed in the heart. Yes, Somebody came up behind her and she her throat was slit from left to right. Correct. And right away, you, as in all your experience and wisdom, you knew right away she didn't die from what was coming on from the cut through her neck. It was the heart. Can you explain how, how you well, deducted that? It, it, was, it was not too difficult to sequence uh, mm-hmm. the wounds because of blood pattern. And, but also uh, domestics, and I've worked a lot of domestic killings and passionate killings between lovers or husband, wives, family members. And they generally don't look like that. So that concerned me from the very beginning. What do you beginning. mean I don't understand they don't look like that? This was this they, was an attack from behind Okay, that was skilled and almost like professional. Mm-hmm. There were no hesitation cuts. There was no struggle. Darlene was with us at one point and then gone the next day. So it was real quick. I mean, she I mean, didn't know what happened. That's next good. Next moment, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. When, if you don't want to answer, it's okay. When all this happened with OJ, did you have it figured out before? I watched it intently. Yeah. And the reason I watched it intently is uh, in, in history, we have BC and AD. Right. In forensics, you have before OJ and after OJ. <laughs> and that's the truth. It's, I can understand it that. It changed. The training and everything changed so dramatically because it brought to the forefront the significance of methodical crime scene investigation and collection of evidence. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, courses, training, and everything uh, flourished mainly because after people saw that across the nation, uh, if you talk to young people, they have no idea how many people are watching that every day. And uh, from that point on, universities would add programs on. They combined the sciences with forensic methodology 
and uh, everything changed. So today is not anything like it was prior to Back AJ. Then, so I'm not, I can't ask you what your opinion was, if you did or not, can I? Would you prefer well, my to- estimation is that uh, there's two ways to try a case. One of them is a criminal case. Okay. And it is beyond any reasonable doubt. The methodology of the vet investigation caused some reasonable doubt because of cross-contamination. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I think he should, like Cyril Weck, who uh, mm-hmm. is, is a brilliant pathologist, uh, he was right when he said O.J. should have been acquitted on that case because there was reasonable doubt. Uh, but on the civil case, which is the preponderance of an evidence, of the evidence, which you put the evidence on a scale and it goes one way or the other, there was no doubt that uh, that O.J. committed the crime. Mm-hmm. I can say, well, we all fought that anyway because yeah. he's, a, you know, for a lot of reasons. But have you ever, um, when someone is is uh, murdered in some way, one way or another, you're called to the crime scene. When someone dies, an older person in a home, you're not called there, are you? We're called on homicides, suicides, accidentals, unexplained deaths, or where a physician cannot certify because mm-hmm. he, he doesn't know what happened. Yeah. You know? So actually, the vast majority of our cases are in homicide. Mm-hmm. And I hope that as uh, investigation discovery series goes on, we can touch upon some of those cases because they are also fascinating and interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that comes to mind was a, uh, a homeless person that was a John Doe for nine years. And then we finally got the, uh, we fi- finally got the ID straightened out only because of the efforts of his sister that worked for nine years to try to find out where he was. Are you able to solve most cases? Are there still people that Yeah, there's a major- the yeah. majority of them are solved. And the majority of, of crime is not uh, done by diabolical geniuses. <laughs> yeah, I, I would assume that, yeah. yeah. Especially a serial killer. The dump, he has no reason except his, what would you call it, well, Mental illness is one thing. The, the, the serial killers are more difficult because they are planners. Yeah. And they are skilled, and they have no connection in most cases to the person they just killed. Mm-hmm. And then that goes back to the statistics. Most people are killed by somebody they know. Well, you have to go through that list of what, uh, whomever somebody knew before you actually just start looking in different directions. You know what? Uh, one of the things I think is always fascinating, whether it's watching the program you did or, or some other program, some other crime program, is, and you mentioned this, that when you go to a crime scene, you take in a lot of stuff. It's not just somebody laying there bleeding. You can figure out how they were killed. And you notice, like in the one lady, she had a cigarette butt. That can you explain? Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Explain what I'm talking about. I mean, you have yeah. to be aware of smells and everything. There, and to this day, I can see it in my own mind, but there was a cigarette with the ashes. It was on her thigh, and the ashes were never knocked off the whole length of the cigarette. She must have just lit it up shortly before the attack. Mm-hmm. And that showed you the rapidity and the deadliness 
of the attack because the body never moved after the attack. So um, it's patterns like that. It's ambient temperature. It's the light sources. It's so many different things that you look at. Not only then, but also it's not just the naked eye. Mm-hmm. Once you get into the lab, now oh, we're yeah. talking to a molecular or cellular basis. I understand that. Why do you think people are so afraid? Well, I mean, nobody wants to die, but uh, my mother used to say, don't be afraid of the dead. It's the living you should be concerned about. But people freak out over bodies. Well, I think what we're doing is we're sort of freaking out our own <laughs> mortality. Uh, it, if you really think about it, our body's a suit. Yeah, my mother used to say that. It's just a shell. Yeah, and it's a suit we're running around mm-hmm. in right now. And uh, uh, my suit has more patches patches on it than when I was young. But the truth of the matter is that um, I see the body as both a physical thing, a carbon-based physical thing. And I also think there's this other element, which is a spiritual thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that lasts beyond us. So, uh, and I... My own personal thinking is that the consciousness lasts beyond us, too. I remember sometime uh, somebody had told me, um, the um, as we used to call it, the undertaker would come and get the body. And this gentleman who was the undertaker, the mortician, he could hear this. And he thought, the guy died. And here, here it turned out, I scared the heck out of him. You know what he realized, what he heard? It was yeah. his pacemaker. Yeah. <laughs> You must, I mean, how do you keep saying, I don't want to say sane, but I mean, how do you go home at night, and especially when it's involving children who've been hurt? You got to find a way to, to let that go. I, I couldn't do that. Fortunately, I, I live on a, in a place that's uh, it's a farm, so it's uh, natural. And uh, that that helps a lot. Good wine always helps a lot. But <laughs> this guy. Um, the, the, the bottom line is that... Uh, I think it, it is, is look, I look on it as a responsibility, but also it's a teaching lesson every time. Just like I said, with uh, we were talking about a child death in the inner city and, mm-hmm. the, and the apartment was so hot and there was no air conditioning and terrible poverty situation. When I came back, the, the home I had just left two, three hours prior to that, I came back into, and I saw that home as a great privilege just to walk in and feel the air conditioning and uh, to be able to sit there and look out and see trees and not trash cans and stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, it gives you an appreciation of life uh, much more than people who don't confront mortality every day. Well, you know, I understand what you're saying, Mike. You see it more as a calling. You've always been around it. But as far as uh, doing the program, that's an honor to be asked to do something like that. And how many households around the world are watching this? But I get a funny feeling that you like doing it, but what you really like is being able to share the knowledge to get people to understand themselves. I didn't do it to get on TV. Right. I did it because I thought I had a very unique experience and in, in living the way I do, I wanted to share it with others mm-hmm. and uh, talk about what I've found working with the dead all these years. You know what? You also do a blog. Yes. that's Tell us about that. That's on uh, um, 
uh, investigative discovery mm -hmm. carries the blog. And then I have even more information over at GrahamHectric.com. And I also do uh, a glossary so that I bring up terms so that people know what was important in that particular episode and what the term, let's say, rigor mortis means mm -hmm. or liver mortis, something like that. I think that's great because we've heard, you know, I mean, like I've said, and we were talking about this earlier, people don't educate themselves. They just assume a lot of things they really right. don't understand and they think they're an authority without understanding or ap without educating and a lot of times it only takes five or ten minutes to find out what's really going on i wanted to ask you um if you wouldn't mind explaining that again what you had said about the dead can tell us how we live and how we should live what do, what do you mean by that i don't think anybody right now can look at uh our society mm -hmm. and the divisions that we have within this country right now uh, without knowing that we're going in a direction that we better have a conversation mm -hmm. because it's the old, uh, it's the old saying, uh, we either stand together or hang separately. I think yeah. it is. And so we have to come together and we also have to, we have to also look at things sort of in a forensic manner, not in a political or emotional manner where, where we can first say, let's get, all the facts. Mm -hmm. And then let's talk with each other. And when we do it, let's respect the person and judge the ideas. If we can get to that point uh, again in America, I think that we can all come together, not always agree, but formulate policies that are good for everybody. Well, guess what? I hope you and I are around to see that. Yeah. <laughs> the way it looks right now, I don't know if it, we're, we're going to be. As I said earlier, there are a lot, a lot of things that you do. I know you sit on lots of boards and you do so many things in this community. You have um, a place where people can uh, talk about grief, that all those kind of things, understand it. But one of the things that uh, is coming up on um, August 18th from 6 to 8 at Hack is you're involved in a heroin opioid opioid help me out here opioid opioid <laughs> yeah. epidemic form what's that all about do you come across that a lot where people die from drugs we are truly having an epidemic oh, if, yeah. if you want to talk about homicide we we have homicide and that's what makes tv um the truth of the matter is this is way greater than homicide how so um Many, many, many more people die in Dolphin County or in the United States by opioid overdose than they do by homicide. Mm -hmm. um, this is something that has to be discussed. And we have to discuss it not by just saying we have an opioid epidemic because that's not going to cure anything. What we have to do is have a discussion about why people in the freest nation, the wealthiest nation in the world that's and right. actually in history— now are going out and anesthetizing themselves to the point that they stop their heart and lungs from working. Working, so we have to have that discussion, which is more significant than the superficial discussion of opioids. Because I can tell you right now, if we get rid of the opioids, they will make another drug. Yeah, that'll that's do just the, same the way thing. it is. Yeah, uh, a lot of that comes from uh, you hurt your back. The doc gives you, what is it, Oxycontin. You get addicted to it. It's in the cabinet. The kids will take it down because nowadays they'll do anything to get high. And before you know they're high, 
should we be regulating how many times you, you're taking this? Should we be getting involved with insurance companies? I mean, I think what do it's you think? so far out of control right now. Uh, the use of opioids that uh, there is becoming, uh, with a medical standard standpoint, uh, better discussion on uh, what we can do in that end. There will also be, I believe, uh, progress in the future. How? What type of progress? In what way? Well, it'll have to do with reactions on receptors still getting the pain-killing effect, but not the addictive effect. Like dopamine um, in that in that uh, type of area. Is that what you're talking about? Well, when I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm talking about opioids uh, affect a specific part of the brain, right? And uh, we should be able in the future to design some painkillers that uh, give the uh, the results of the opioid, but at the same time do not uh, make it addictive. It's pretty scary because they say that uh, it's harder to get off of. Well, I've heard it's harder to get off cigarettes than it is heroin. But heroin, I mean, and the scary part about it is what is being mixed with the heroin. It's not, you know, right? Well, yeah. There's very seldom do we see pure heroin and nothing else. You might combine it with some psychotropic drugs or yeah. alcohol. So there's some real big problems. But uh, the the biggest issue is we do, we live in a pharmaceutical culture. Yeah. You just turn on the TV and how many ads? Oh my are goodness! There? You know now that's funny you say that because Investigative Discovery cuts the show because this will be in South America, it'll be in Latin America, Mexico, Europe in the future. They have to make two cuts for the show because Europe and the other countries don't have all these drug commercials, so the show has to last about five minutes longer. Is that right? Yeah, so it's recut for uh, other countries. Is that because of the drug industry, the lobbyists, or is it because, you know what I'm saying? Well, I, all, I, all I can tell you is just take a look at any of those shows on TV and see how many drug ads there are. And I, I just start to howl sometimes when uh, it talks about all the negative things get, that can occur. Oh, yeah. You think, well, I'm not taking that baloney. I'd rather do that. I'll, I'll limp around. Now, the truth of the matter is that I ran myself over with a, a tractor once out of my farm. <laughs> and the first thing I wanted when I got in the ER was some morphine because yeah. I was in real pain. And it, it was great. It, it, as a matter of fact, it gave me my understanding of heroin. Mm-hmm. because I could feel it go into my body. I could feel it hit my brain. And I could realize that I was watching them mil- manipulate my leg, which was very painful, but I was more interested in the technology of what they were doing mm-hmm. than the pain. So yeah, these things are tremendous. But what we have to do is we have to have a holistic way of looking at the drug epidemic we have because people are anesthetizing themselves either because they're poor of spirit or poor of of hope they they need to have something otherwise they're going to try to kill that emotional as well as physical that's pain. right and that's what a lot of it's going on today yeah, yeah. and it's really really sad to see it happen to kids before they have a chance to live oh, don't forget up until about the age of 20 myelinization and in, in uh solidification of the development in the frontal lobes doesn't even exist. That's I can better understand why I was such a crazy mm-hmm. person in my uh, teen years. But. Oh, were you really? That's another show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is. 
<laughs> Let me ask you in closing, what's the best thing out of what you've done over the, the your whole career? What do you think you enjoyed most or still enjoy? I still enjoy doing exactly what I'm doing now. I, I the uh, investigation discovery has been a great project because they have been so cooperative and caring and uh um this next show coming up, you'll see that they are dedicated to uh, trying to give some sort of meaning or theme to each one of these shows, not just some voyeurism. Mm -hmm. And then I try to back that up with uh, written works after it, uh, an epilogue in, in the uh, different scientific uh, methods and that type of thing. You know, I've been telling everybody about this because I think – I'm so impressed with how smooth you are. I'm serious. I mean, you you know what you're doing on camera. But I learned an awful lot about it. I learned about, uh, I mean, you'd be surprised. Maybe I live in a sheltered world that some of the things people do to each other without, I mean, without, it, they're so cold or they're mentally sick and it's it's done. I, human nature never surprises no, me. No, no. Now, I've seen, <laughs> I've seen almost every conceivable way to die. With the the military and then with uh, my oh, work. Oh yeah, that's really rough. And, and so, um, nothing surprises me in that way. I, I think probably emotionally the hardest thing I've ever had to do is when you work uh, the child abuse cases. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that must be terrible. I can't yeah. even I can't even imagine that. I want to thank you for coming in. I hope you can go back again sometime because this has been a lot of fun and. I'm going to be your biggest fan. I'm telling everybody about it. I think it's so much fun to watch. Well, watch it tomorrow if you can stay up. <laughs> okay, if you can stay up. Yeah, the old broad can stay up. <laughs> Thank you so much. The uh, you, We've been chatting with uh, Dauphin County Coroner and, uh, Graham Hetrick. He is, would you mind if I called you the star of the coroner? I speak for the dead. That You know that that's in 85 million homes just here in the States? It's unbelievable. I, it, the bigness of it, I didn't realize wow. until it actually started to happen. And it runs all over the world, too. Yeah. It's on Monday nights at 10 o'clock on the Investigation Discovery Channel. And um, I'm sure there'll be a lot more people that are going to be jumping on that bandwagon with me. Thank you so much for coming. I truly enjoyed it. Thank Take you. care. I'm Sylvia Moss. This has been a presentation of iHeartMedia. See you next week. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.